Thanks for listening. Our mission here at Life West Church is to see you equipped and empowered to be and do all that God has for you. For additional resources and info, go to lifewest.church. We're going to start a new series this week called You in Five Years. And how many of you have ever made, or how many this year made a New Year's resolution? Raise your hand if you made a New Year's resolution. Okay, not very many of you. Okay, okay. Well, how many of you have ever made a New Year's resolution? Raise your hand. Okay, see? See, there you go. There's a reason why you didn't this year. You probably made it, and maybe it did not work. I was actually talking with Chris, who uh, he and his wife run Ignite, and he said one year he decided uh, to not drink any Mountain Dew. He's like, I am done with Mountain Dew. I'm like, okay, great. That's great. And he says, and then about six hours later, without thinking about it, I look, and I am drinking a Mountain Dew. I'm like, oh my goodness. I said, so did you restart? He goes, no, I just figured I was done and just like, just threw the whole thing out. I'm like, oh, six hours difference. Like, really? But anyways, um, but I do think, thank you so much, Tom. Really appreciate that. I do think that is something that is so common when it comes to setting a goal, and we don't get it, and we're like, you know, I'm not even going to set one this year. And really what we're going to do through this series is we're going to look at you in five years saying, not setting a goal, but looking at who you want to be and then taking steps to get there. Saying, this is what I want to be. And we're going to look at spiritually, and we're going to look at relationships, and then we're going to look at financially. And we're look at what the Bible has to say about those. The Bible is, the Bible says, it is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. And I really believe with all my heart that when we look at what the Bible says on how to get to some of these places and get these in the relationships and finances and spiritually, it is so much better. We avoid the pitfalls. We avoid the, the tripping. And really, so I'm super excited to do this. Now, if you missed last week, at the same time as we're starting this, we are, and I would encourage you, if, you'd even, if you missed last week or if you were there, we are starting today 21 days of prayer as a church. Um, so if you go online, there's a prayer guide there for you. If you scroll down the page, there's a big old thing that says Prayer 21, 21 days of prayer. And not only are we doing that, but we're doing prayer and fasting. Um, if you are unfamiliar with fasting, go last week and get the podcast, listen to the whole thing, and it was really going to talk about fasting, tell you who, why, how Jesus said to fast, talk about some of the benefits of fasting, um, just over and over and over, different ways of doing it. But we're going to fast. Uh, however, but listen to that if you haven't, but just join us with that. We'd love to have you. Jump in there. We're going to be praying together as a group, and I'm really excited for what God's going to do in you and in us as a church and where he's going to bring us this year. But as we start, we're going to go ahead, and if you have your Bibles, turn to Hebrews chapter 6. Hebrews chapter 6. Instead of making... Uh, Goals, we're looking at who we want to be, how do we, what do we want to be spiritually, and what would be stopping us from growing spiritually, from getting to the places that we would like to be. And in Hebrews chapter 6, verse 1, it says this, Therefore, let us leave the elementary teachings about Christ and go on to maturity, not laying again the foundation of repentance from acts that lead to death, of faith in God, verse 2, instructions about baptisms, the laying on of hands, the resurrection of dead, and eternal judgment. And then verse 3 is absolutely key. This is what it says. And God permitting, we will do so. God permitting, we will do so. What this is literally saying is, is until we have this, 
we're not going to understand other spiritual things. God says, I don't want to lay again Hebrews, author of Hebrews, I say Paul. You want to argue, fine. I like it. I think it was Paul. And that he is, this is what he's writing. He says, you have to have this figured out first. You need to have this figured out. Now, when you go to school and you've, how many of you have ever took calc? Raise your hand. Calc, calculus. Okay, a few of us. All right. I don't know why I threw my name in with that one, but uh, I just did. You know what we all learn first is we all learn addition. Because if you don't have addition, you're never going to be able to understand multiplication. And if you don't understand multiplication, you're never going to understand division. And we start with very simple math. We start with addition, and then it grows from there. And we understand in that that if we don't understand some of the simple stuff, we will never understand geometry. We'll never understand this stuff. We won't get to We will never get it. Numbers are supposed to be in math. Letters, I do not like when letters get in math. That just starts to mess me up. But because I've understood some of this, as if I can go and I, all right, we can figure this out. We can move on from there. And really spiritually, Paul's writing, he's saying, this is the stuff that we need to understand if we're going to grow spiritually. And, I, and my prayer is that as we go through this, that you grow, your understanding grows, and as a result, maybe some areas that you have wondered, or you've been like, why am I not growing this area? And God, I'm seeking you in this, and I'm not understanding what's wrong, that they're going to be open to you as a result of you understanding some foundational things that you can then grow on. Uh, there's a coach, John Wooden, and he's famous for something that I thought was really cool. He's famous for teaching high school, excuse me, college basketball and teaching these boys how to Put on socks and shoes. Now, how many of you think you know how to put on your socks and shoes? Who has socks and shoes on? Most of us. Okay, anybody got flip-flops? They're like, the sun's out, I'm just doing it. No. We come and we set up, and it's amazing the amount of lost and found that is at this school. It's crazy, but there's usually two lost and found tables that we move, and we move them into the back room. And right now, there's a pair of flip-flops on the lost and found table. And I'm like, what in the world? Who is wearing these right now? But this is what... Coach teaches these guys. He says, you have to know how to put on your socks. And he goes like, you're going to put them on. You put them on at your toes and you stretch them and you pull them up. Make sure that there's no wrinkles. You feel the heel. You make sure because you don't want to blister. And then he teaches them how to lace up shoes. I know how to lace up shoes. But he starts with the very, very basics. And he's like, this is what we need. We need to do this to be able, if you get this wrong, your feet are going to be uncomfortable. You're going to have blisters. As a result of having these blisters, you're not going to be at practice as much. As a result of you not being at practice as much, you're not going to get as much play time, and you're not getting the play time, and you're not going to, we're not going to be able to lose the championship. He, he just keeps going and going and going. He's like, we're going to lose the championship all because you didn't tie your shoes right. And we laugh, but at the same time, we kind of know that some of that is true, that there's some really basic things that make a huge, huge difference, a huge difference. I uh, was reading a book, and they were talking about birthdays, birthdays and professional sports. And he said this, it's in the, it's in the book Outliers. He said, there's a disproportionately large number of prof professional athletes who have birthdays January, February, and March. He goes, it's crazy disproportionate. He says, because 
because they are older, and when they start school, and when the school starts, and then the athletic sports starts, they're a little bit older than everybody else. And when you're in second grade, one year older than somebody else is a huge difference. You know, you might have another kid who doesn't make a cutoff because of the cutoff dates. You know, somebody else who's on the other side of the cutoff is going to be 11 months younger. He says, and as a result, here's what's happened. For years, you know, they're a little bit older, so they play a little bit more, and the coach gives them a little more attention, and so they get a little bit better. And then the next year, because they're a little bit better and the coach has given them a little bit more attention, they're automatically a little bit better than others. And although they're getting a little older and the one-year difference really isn't that big of a difference anymore, it's still compounding from that first year and getting bigger and bigger. And he's like, you look at any hockey team, you look at any of these sports, he goes, you watch, there's a disproportionately large number of professional athletes whose birthdays are in the first few months of the year. Because it's the small thing that grows. It's this small thing. And I, although this might seem like a small thing that we're going through, I believe that as we know this, it grows. And because we know this, we move on and we move forward with things of God. In Hebrews 5.12, it says this, for though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you, again, the first principles of God, and you have come to need milk, not solid food. Here's the thing. It is possible for you to come to church and then to leave and then to come again and then leave and then come again and then leave and not get what you could. It's possible for you to be in worship, standing right next to somebody who's getting a touch from God and getting exactly what they needed this morning. And you're sitting there and you're like, I'm just waiting for it to be done. It is possible. He says, because here's what he says, you should be teachers. You ought to be teachers by now, but you're not. And so I so want you to know as we go through this, to, to gather, to understand what this is and to move on so that you can be and do all that God has for you. I really do. So we're going to start right at the very beginning and we're going to start with repentance. So what is repentance? Well, here's what it is. It's to feel such sorrow for sin or fault as to be disposed to change one's life for the better. To change one's life for the better. Now, here's what it's not. It's not penance. It's not going and trying to make every, every wrong you ever did right. That's not what it is. Repentance is you saying, God, I need you. Salvation, yes, I want to go to heaven, but God, I have messed this up over and over. I have done wrong. I need you. I do. Now, if in this, the Holy Spirit, if God speaks to you and you're like, you know, I do think I need to go make something, make something right that I did or didn't do or, or, or whatever happened, then, then you do that. By all means, do that. Uh, my father, he didn't, get, uh, he didn't really come to Christ until he was an adult. And when he did, he felt that he needed to go back to the five and dime store. That's what he says they were. But he went to the five and dime store to go apologize and to pay for some things that he had stolen when he was a little kid. And so he goes back to the store, same guy owned the store, and he walks in, he says he didn't want to do it, but he just felt it's something that he needed to do, so he walks in and goes to the guy and he says, sir, um, you probably don't know me, but he said, but years ago, uh, he said, I stole some stuff from the store, he says, and I, I want to come and I want to make it right, I'd like to pay for it. And the guy who owned the store looks at him and goes, you recently became a Christian, didn't you? And my dad's like, yeah. He goes, over the years, I've had so many people come in here and do this. So many people come in here and do this. And 
when he told that story, I just thought, wow, what a witness it was to that guy that owned the store. And I love that he recognized the fruit of somebody who had given their life to Christ. And he's like, you're here. This isn't a normal thing that you're doing. I bet I know why you're here. So if God leads you to do something, then do it. But it's not penance for what we've done wrong. It's not penance. You're not going to make it right. We could never do that. Repentance is realizing that we can't and that we need Jesus. We need what He did to pay for our sins. We cannot do it on our own. We cannot do it. It's so important. In Matthew 4, 17, Jesus is teaching. And it says that from that time on, Jesus went around preaching, repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. It's admitting that what we did was wrong. And not this political mumbo-jumbo stuff where it's like, oh, I'm sorry you feel that way. Anybody ever said that to you? Oh, I have been told, people have said, oh, I'm sorry you feel that way about something. And you're like, really? I just want to punch you. Like, I wish that was socially acceptable. Just to like, "Mm, it's not, so I don't. But if it was, like, oh, but not a political correct repent where I'm sorry I got caught. No, none of that. One of my wife's favorite, one of those like political lines is this one. Well, I'm sorry the middle of my sentence interrupted the beginning of yours. <laughs> she just, when I interrupt her we, or anybody interrupts, we just have, we have fun with that one. But n- none of that, none of that political correctness, but it, it's just flat out, God, I need you. I was wrong, wrong, wrong and right. God, I need you. I want you. And when we do that, when we experience that, It's only after we experience God's truth and we see His truth, we accept it in our lives, that we truly get to experience His grace. In John 1, chapter 14, it says this about Jesus. It says, The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us, and we have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only, the one who came from the Father full of grace and truth. So many people want to receive God's grace, but they won't accept His truth. And you can never experience God's grace without His truth. And that's repentance. You'll never, ever experience it. And this is not, when we repent, I'm not saying you have to be perfect. The Bible says, though a righteous man falls, he rises again. But it's not practicing sin. We probably all know this, but practice makes what? Okay, well, I didn't hear that right. Practice makes, yeah. We're not practicing sin. We're not trying to get better at sinning. The righteous will fall, but we're not trying to get better at it. Years ago, um, I led a youth group, and really fun, and there was a, a particular student who lied. But he didn't just like, like, like lie a little bit. He didn't know how to say hello without lying. I'm serious. Just everything out of his mouth was just, it was a lie. But he lied so much that he had like a, a group of like facts and names that he would use consistently in his lies so he wouldn't get his lies confused. If he was to tell you a false phone number, he had one phone number that he would say all the time. He's like, he knew what it was going to be. It was 878-9078. And that was his, I don't remember the exact numbers, but that's what he would use. And 
then one time he was telling me about a storage unit, and he had some stuff in the storage unit. And I'm like, what? He's like, oh yeah, it's right over here on this street. It's storage unit number eight, and the code is 9078. And he had a, just a, a, he'd go to these same numbers and same names and the same people, and, and he'd say, oh, I was with this person. And that was his life. He practiced lying. And we were working with him, and after a while, we, we caught on to it. And I, I talked to him. He's like, yeah, yeah. And, and he flat out told me, he's like, okay, so for passcodes, like, like I usually say this, and then I've got this, and then I've got this, and I've got this, and then this. And then if it has something to do with this person, if it's somebody out of state, this person is, I mean, he had people that he called his friends that lived in other states that didn't exist, but he used the same names and the same lines. He practiced sinning. And as believers, we don't practice sinning. We're not trying to get better at it. But we can make mistakes. We can make mistakes. But repentance is not being perfect. It's admitting that, God, I need what you have. I need what you have. Verse John 119, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us. We want to walk in the forgiveness that God has for us. But here's the thing about forgiveness. Colossians 3.13 says it this way. Bear with one another and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. Like we need to understand that. Because if you don't know how I forgave or how Jesus forgave, we can't forgive the way that he did. Like, like, like we just can't. If I tell you that I have a number behind my back, okay, I want to have both hands back here. We'll make it a little bit harder. You can guess what that number is, but you don't know what it is. If I say, copy the number I'm making, can you make the same number? I mean, you could try. You got a one in 10 chance of getting it right, but that's really it. But if I show you what number it is, well, now you know. It was a two, and everybody can. And when it comes to God's forgiveness, we are told to forgive the way that Christ forgave us. We're told to forgive, and we walk in that forgiveness that he has for us. And here's why that is so, so important. Matthew 6, 14, for if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. Because there's repentance. And the other side of repentance is forgiveness. Verse 15, but if you do not forgive men their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. That should be underlined in every one of our Bibles. He says, if you're not willing to forgive other people, he says, I won't forgive you. I will not forgive you. Jesus, in teaching to the, this to his disciples, told a story of a man who owed what would be equivalent today of millions, if not billions of dollars, going before the king. The king says, pay me back. He says, I can't. I, I cannot do it. And the king says, he, he begs so much that the king says, fine, I'll forgive you the whole thing. And then that man leaves. And on his way out, he comes across somebody who owes him the equivalent of like, let's just say 20 bucks, but he owes him. And the man's got the receipt, and he's like, you owe me? Pay up. And the man says, I can't. And the man says, have mercy on me. And the man begs, and he says, no. The man who had just been forgiven billions of dollars looks at somebody else who owes him 20 and says, no. Turn him over to the torturers. Turn him over until he gets paid. Not going to happen. And the king hears about it, calls him in and says, you wicked, wicked man, I forgave you so much. Why could you not forgive so little? 
And Christ looks at us and he says, I've forgiven you so much. Be sure that you forgive the little that people do to you. We have to walk into it so much so that he says, if you do not forgive, he says, I will not forgive you. We are the forgiving forgiven. Because we were forgiven, we must walk in that forgiveness because he's forgiven so much. And here's what forgiveness isn't. Forgiveness is not telling somebody that what they did doesn't matter. It's not telling somebody that what they did is okay or that they were right. That's not what it is. Forgiveness is you saying, I let go. The Bible says that Christ, that when we ask for forgiveness, that He removes our sin from us as far as the east is from the west. You know what it doesn't say? That He puts it in His back pocket and waits to haul it out later. I do not have a, a super detail, detail memory. I'm, not an, I'm a big picture, big picture. I remember big picture, things like that. But the small detail things, I do not remember. Now, Becca, she remembers all the little tiny, 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 tiny details. Like every word that I've ever said, I think she knows. I call it the vault that she just, she has got it in there. It is in there. But you know what she is so amazing at is some, every now and then, and less and less the longer that we've been married, she'll say, well, remember when you, and as I'm thinking about, I think it's been years since she's done that now. For me, it's a little bit easier because I don't remember all the little tiny things. But she remembers those words and she's like, remember when you just, but you know what she chooses not to do? is she chooses to forgive me the way that Christ forgave me, which means she doesn't save it for later. She's not like, oh yeah, well, what about this? Bam! Remember this one? Oh, sorry. And that's the way that Christ forgave us as far as the east is from the west. It is not saying that it is okay what that other person did to you. But the Bible says Jesus is talking to his disciples. He's teaching them how to pray. And this is what he says. He says, if you're praying and you realize that you're holding unforgiveness, that you're holding something against somebody else, he says, forgive them. Forgive them. So here's what it means. It means that you can, right now, today, you can choose to forgive. That it's something that you get to do. That other person, they could be dead, they could be gone, they could be out of reach, they could be, I don't know where they are. But you can forgive today. You can walk in that forgiveness today. Now, here's, here's another thing that forgiveness is not. Forgiveness is not a, a jump off a cliff. I wish it was. I wish it was like a one-time thing, right, where you're like, God, I forgive Michael. And then there comes Michael, and Michael walks in, and you're like, yep, I totally forgave him. I did that back there. And there he is. And I have all these warm, fuzzy feelings towards Michael. That's not the case. That's not what it is. Forgiveness is we choose. It's a, it's a choice. And I've had it before where I forgive somebody, and then they walk in, and you're like, oh, my goodness. Um, those feelings of forgiveness, they're not there. It's that whole, I wish I could punch people in the face thing, but that's not okay. So I would never, ever do that. But you, you have those feelings. Those strong feelings would still come up, and you're like, no, that's not okay. And so we choose again 
to walk in that forgiveness. But here's what does happen. It gets easier and easier. Easier and easier. Years ago, I had a guy, I don't know exactly, it is a super long story, but he just went nuts. Tried to get me fired, lied about me, suing me, all just crazy. And I'm like, oh my goodness. It turns out it wasn't really about me, and, and I was like, oh, well, wow. And I'm like, okay, well, I'll forgive the guy. I think I'm on the other side of it regardless. Like, okay, well, I, I forgive the guy. And uh, a couple weeks later, I'm walking through, through church. I was at uh, Res Life in Granville at the time, and there he is. And I'm like, oh, my goodness, I forgave him. I know I forgave him, but there he is. But I forgave him, but my thoughts towards him are not good. They're not nice. And I'm like, okay, this is not, this is not good. So what I started doing is when I would see him, when I would see him and these like, well, I hope this doesn't work out and I know he's doing this and I bet that'll fail and these little things start creeping up in me. And maybe that's just me. But they just start creeping up in me. I'm like, you know how I'm going to put him down? Is I'm going to pray for him. Is I'm going to pray. And if this, I am going to. And here's what happened. Is now I hear about stuff that uh, he and his family are doing and what's going on. And my first thought is to pray for him. That I don't have that, ugh, coming up anymore, like, oh, I hope this doesn't happen, and, and he deserves that to fail, or remember what he did to me. Um, that something that was something really hard for me to do at first, which was to, to not have bad thoughts come up towards this guy, of, well, they deserve that, and I hope something fails for them, and I wouldn't do anything to, to make it fail, but if it did, he'd probably just deserve that, to instead be like, okay, I'm going to pray for him. And so I'd pray for his family, I'd pray for his kids, and I would, I'd pray, and I'm like, okay, is this stuff gone? And I'm like, okay, and I'd move on. And if I saw him again or heard something about him and I had those thoughts again, start to kind of come up of, well, it's not going to work out, or I hope it doesn't work, or, or why is good things happening? If I even, those thoughts even came, I was like, no, I'm going to pray. Because here's what Jesus says, if you do not forgive, our Heavenly Father will not forgive you. And here, forgiveness is not a one-time. I wish I had a magic wand and I could just sprinkle pixie dust, whatever, and instantly you would be like, I don't have any harsh feelings towards that person that did this horrible thing. And here's what it's also not. Forgiveness is not restoring trust to somebody. If somebody has done something and broken trust and they don't deserve it and they have to earn that back, by all means, don't. Don't put them in a situation to make the same mistake that they did the first time. Um, that, that's not what it's saying, but it's re releasing it from them. And, and I, I hope you've heard this before, and I hope you know this, but unforgiveness, the opposite of forgiveness, holding on to unforgiveness is like drinking poison yourself and expecting somebody else to die. It rots you so much more than does the other person. I had somebody come up to me once, and, and they, they say, they told me that they forgive me. And I'm like, for what? And they're like, well, you don't remember? 
I already told you, I'm not the big detail guy. And I'm like, no, I don't. And I'm like, for years, I was upset at the way you treated me about back when we were 13 years old. And I'm like, all I remember about 13 is I had two different size shoes that I had to wear. Like, I don't remember a whole lot from back then. Seriously, they grew at different anyways. <laughs> I'm like, I don't remember a whole ton of every little thing of that. But they held on to something I was completely unaware of, completely unaware of. As we're starting a new year, as we're starting a new year, I hope that you will start and say, God, I want to make you first in my life. God, I want to go places spiritually that I never have before. It'll be, come, if you miss a week of this series, dude, go online, download it, jump online, watch it, do what you can, because I want you to understand these foundations of your faith so that as you move, that you move into a new area spiritually that you never have before, that you are more fruitful than you ever have been before, that your time in the Word, that your time praying, that you feel God is, you're connecting with God, He's speaking to you, speaking into you, giving you vision for your family, vision for your business, vision for your finances and where He wants you to go and how He wants you to be. So many small things that just go to that. But this morning, if you're here and you have, you have somebody, that as I'm talking about forgiveness, that you know you need to forgive, I think we should do that right now. Don't go any longer holding on to that bitterness, to that upsetness, no matter how true what that person did to you is. Forgiveness is not saying that there's not pain. Forgiveness is not saying that it didn't happen or that it's okay. But saying, I'm going to forgive them. God, you deal with them. You forgave me, I'll forgive them. So if you're here and you need to forgive somebody of something, if that's you, then would you just lift your hand right now? Would you be bold and lift your hand and say, I need to forgive somebody and I want to do that? Awesome. Awesome. Put those hands down. Why don't everybody bow your heads? And we're going to pray. And we're going to pray real quick here. And those of you that raised your hand, you said, you know, I want to forgive. This isn't a magic prayer. This isn't a formula. But something like this. And let's just say this. In fact, let's just all just pray this together. And those that said it, you say it from your heart. But here's what it is. Say, I forgive. And insert whatever name you've got there. Say, I choose to let go of the hurt they caused me. I choose to forgive them the same way God forgave me. God help me to walk out this forgiveness, to love and pray for them. From this moment on, in Jesus' name, amen. Would you just keep your heads, heads bowed and your eyes closed for just a moment? As we're about to dismiss, I do not want to assume for a minute that every single person in here, that just because you've been coming to church, just because you're here today, I do not want to assume that that means that you know where you stand with God, that you've asked for his forgiveness and repented, that you've made your life right with God, or that you know that you're on your way to heaven. So if you're here this morning and you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, or if you say, you know, there was a time I was living for him, but I turned my back on him. But this morning, I want to come back. 
I want to ask him to forgive me. I want to be made clean and new, and I want to walk in the peace that comes from him, and I want to, I want to be his. Again, if you're either of those, I'd love the honor of praying with you. If you're either of those. Jesus said, I came to give you life and life to the fullest, but it begins with a relationship with him. So if you're either of those, then on the count of three, this is what I want you to do. I want you to lift your hand up high. When you lift it up, you're saying, God, I want to be forgiven. I want to be set free. God, forgive me. And then we're going to pray. And when we say amen, you're going to know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you're on your way to heaven. You're going to be forgiven. And you can begin to walk out the plans and the purposes that God has for you. Walk in the peace that he has for you. If you're either of those, then get ready. Now this halfway stuff, we're going to be super bold. We're going to shoot it up. Get ready. One, two, three. God, that's me. Today's my day. Awesome. Anybody else? Say, so today's my day. I want to know beyond a shadow of a doubt where I stand with God. I'm going to be forgiven, set free. Awesome. Okay, go ahead and put those hands down. And then everybody, we just repeat this after me with those that lifted their hands. Repeat after me. Say, Jesus, forgive me and make me new. I am yours. With all that I am, I want to serve you. Thank you for sending your son to die, to pay the price that I could not pay so I could be free. From now on, I'm yours. With all that I am, I serve you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. Our mission here at Life West Church is to see you equipped and empowered to be and do all that God has for you. For additional resources and info, go to lifewest.church.